Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Welcome to mile 13. Oh, Hi. that's where we are. Okay. I yeah. didn't I didn't know. Yeah, no, that's where we are. And I am Kim and you are Jackie and they are not Casper because they are moving. They're no longer with us. Moment of silence. Okay, but really they're just moving. They'll be back next week, I think. Yeah. Or yeah. or at some point. Uh sometime. Sometime they'll come back. <laughs> they'll show up eventually. But we have a mystery special guest later. Ooh. Um I'm actually kind of sad that Casper's not here because uh I I want it okay. Savannah's over. Done with. Mm-hmm. I think first of all, can we all appreciate the fact that I made significant progress in how should we put this? Your hatred? My discrimination that is yeah. it, it's uh, it was really unfair. It really was. It was. So I apologize to all of Savannah, Georgia. Steve is shaking his head with a hard no. I did make significant progress. I am, <laughs> I am very sorry. Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. Well, I am a little upset because I tried making you peach cobbler and you turned it down okay but that that's has cool th- no 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 that has nothing to do with georgia or savannah that has everything to do with the fact that i lost over the last uh i don't know like six months or something like that i lost 35 pounds and bought a whole bunch of new jeans back in like march and since that time, I have been living in dresses a lot because in the summertime, you get a little, uh, fellas, I'm just saying there's a lot to be said for kilts. You're missing out. You really are. In summertime, dresses are so much cooler than shorts or pants or whatever. Um, but they also are generally non-restrictive in the waistline. So mm. I have allowed myself to eat whatever I darn well pleased over the last little bit and now all of that money that I spent in March no longer fits so I am too cheap to go buy new jeans so instead of eating what I'm sure is your delicious peach cobbler Mm. I am instead trying to lose weight so I can fit into those jeans again before fall comes yeah well with dresses though going back to that yeah the one thing I love about them is it is the closest to Going out in public naked as you can get. I would agree. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, and guys don't, most guys don't get to experience that. No, I, if I ever see a man in a dress, I am not going to pass judgment. I'm just going to assume that you figured it out. Yeah. You finally realize <laughs> there, because first off you're like, okay, I want to look good and I want to put zero effort into my outfit Yep. while a dress automatically makes you look fancy and it's one article of clothing. You don't have to match yep. anything. It's cool. It's easy. And those guys have figured it out. I agree. So men, dresses for everyone. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but, the, okay, so the two things that I did want to say something, like mention about Savannah. Number one, uh, and I'm really sorry that Casper is not here because this directly corresponds to what they talked about last, last episode. I watched Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, how was that? I really liked it. It was very good. What's it? What's it about? 
so it's about Jim Williams, who was the guy that shot his lover, who was played by Jude Law, by the way. A young oh, Jude Law. Yeah. I love him so much. He's he, awesome. Now, I will say Jude Law does not have he has a big role in the movie so far as like the movie is basically about his death. Mm-hmm. But he does not have a lot of screen time in the movie. Okay, that's fair. So, but there is a drag queen in the movie who uh, she plays herself and she has since passed on. I forget her name, but she was really good. And Kevin Spacey was in the movie and he plays Jim Williams and he was really good. It was just a really good movie and I strongly recommend it. I need to see it because I I actually forgot about it until I was listening to it on the last episode when it came out. Yeah. Because I just blacked out. I think that we actually watched it the day after we recorded that episode. and It was really good. So I'm really glad that we're finally getting around to recording the next episode so I can talk about it because I, I really liked it. That's also, um, I would like to, in addition to the Pirates, the Pirates House and their um, rum-soaked creme brulee that, that originally turned the tide on my feelings about Savannah. <laughs> I would like to give a shout out to our friends, Mark and Leslie Hicks, who uh, Mark served with Steve in the army and he's a pirate and they live in Savannah and his wife. How's he a pirate? His wife, Leslie is lovely. And we recently hung out with them. You can't no. You can, okay. You can't keep going. Past. He's a pirate and he's really nice and continue on talking. Let's go back to Mark. Go is, back to the like, pirate. He's thing. A pirate. He, um, Mark does like pirate cosplay basically, although he probably would maybe be like, what if, mm-hmm. if I put it in those terms? It's okay. We won't tell him. He, <laughs> yeah. He's on a billboard. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He is. So if you go onto Tybee Island, like on like the road that goes on to Tybee Island, there's a big old billboard and there's Mark large as life dressed that's up so like cool. a pirate. So does he do that normally or is it just a yeah, like yeah, a no, one time just, thing? No, he just dresses up like a pirate every day. No, he does <sighs> not. Living the dream. He does not. There is a big pirate festival apparently on Tybee Island mm-hmm. and he goes to that every year. Um and he just he just uh, it's like pirate cosplay basically. That's he, so cool. His real job is working on motorcycles, which makes him even more cool. So and his wife Leslie is just wonderful. She's a pirate wench as well. <laughs> I they're just great people and they happen to live in Savannah so that's really cool I'm uh, glad you I'll, have you met them before or was this your first time I meeting them? do believe that this was the first time I have met them okay we so I a, think we had a reunion for Steve's army buddies uh, a couple weeks ago and they were there and um and I just was instantly smitten um with both of them they're both I feel like it was people. meant to be you you speak about something you don't like and then these people find their ways into your life and go like Shh, no if only I had awful. known about the piracy before we started Savannah I probably would have not been so harsh on them because <laughs> I I like pirates yeah pirates are pretty cool but enough about Savannah we're done with that uh you got anything you want to talk about I, at work, got a giant box of rock candy, so that was pretty cool. Have, have you eaten it all? No, it's sitting right there. It's in that box. I don't see a box. It's to, 
the right of Steve oh, down there. Oh, that's a big box of rock candy. <laughs> so I was the only one at work eating it, and your teeth are gonna fall out. Maybe. Well, I ha- okay. So this is really weird, but I have one tooth in my mouth that turns different colors when when I eat different colored foods. So, <laughs> like when I eat, pr- it's purple rock candy. So one tooth turns purple when I eat rock candy. And so I used to work on a farm and we'd be picking blackberries and you would obviously eat so many of your stomach would hurt. And it'd always be that one tooth would turn purple to the point where my best friend, when I went off to college, bought me, she got me a little box of like trinkets for going off to school. And she brought me a um, little toothbrush specifically for my one tooth. It so turns purple when I eat blackberries. Old Jackie purple tooth. <laughs> and it's just that one tooth. I don't know why. That's awesome. But yeah, so I have, I mean, there's layers of rock candy and there's at least 20 sticks in a layer. So I would say at one point there was like a hundred, like is an insane amount. And uh, I feel like you're missing out on a business opportunity. No, I'm going to eat them. I'm not, I'm not going to share them. Why not? I'm not saying share them. I'm saying sell them. Do you want one for a dollar? Not if you're just going to give me one. You just offered me one a few minutes ago <laughs> no. before I gave you that idea. I, I don't remember what you're talking about. Ugh. I was going to sell it to you the whole time. Well, no. I'm. Did you not hear that I'm trying to fit into these <laughs> pants? All right. Anyway, <laughs> enough about rock candy. Let's talk about rock mountain. <gasps> oh. oh, that was a good transition. No, it wasn't because, I mean, eh, ish. Ma- mountains. So this week, we're off to Harlan County, Kentucky, bloody Harlan. Woo! Which um, I had never heard of before this. I had no idea. So I had heard of it because my darling husband, who, if you haven't figured out by Jackie's like 15 references to him sitting over there on the couch as <laughs> our special guest this week. Oh, yeah. Surprise. Um, Steve is from a county called Martin County in eastern kentucky which is kind of like a neighbor to to harlan county how far is it drive wise what 30 minutes 45 oh just kidding two to three three hours hours. oh okay as the crooked road flies. (laughs) so in kentucky it's about three miles away yeah as the drunk crow flies it's two to three hours um, but originally, I thought all of Eastern Kentucky was about the same, but it's not. Apparently, Harlan is way worse than some of the other counties. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, so Steve's going to come on in a little bit. Right now, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about uh, kind of the history. I always feel like I have to burp at the beginning of the show. Do it. I I always try to, and I never can. <laughs> I'll tell Every you. Every single recording. I I'll tell you like that we're going to edit it out, but then I'll leave it in anyway. So go One ahead of these and burp. Da- no, I can't. Like, I just can't. I don't <laughs> it know why. It's going to be mid-sentence. One of these days, the burp is actually going to come out. I'm not even kidding. Every it's gonna single be bad. time we've recorded, I've needed the burp, and it just won't come. All right. Anyway, um, the one thing that Harlan County does have in common with the other eastern Kentucky counties, though, First, okay, wait, back up. Sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Eastern Kentucky doesn't, they have cities, but nobody ever uses them. Mm-hmm. You are from a county, like Harlan County or Martin County or Pike County or okay. whatever county. Or if you wanted to get specific, you're from a holler. Yeah, I learned that word not too long ago. Not a hollow, a holler. 
Yeah, apparently it's a really common it's word. Like a, I, I didn't know it. You go, you live up the holler or up the creek. There's a lot of creeks like in, <laughs> in Steve's neck of the woods. Not his, actually. His family is from there. I don't know if he ever actually, he lived kind of there when he was in college, but he didn't like live there, live there. Mm-hmm. But there's Turkey Creek. So you live up Turkey Creek or there's a Beaver Creek. But not like Ayo. the Beaver Creek where I live. Like it, the Beaver Creek where I live is one word. Beaver Creek in Martin County is two words. And you, but it splits, so you either live up left Beaver or up right <laughs> Beaver. So the a holler is basically just uh like it's a kind of a swath in the mountainside where people build houses and trailers mm. and stuff. Um, so that's one thing that they all have in common in Eastern Kentucky is you're from a county or you're from a holler, but um. Also, something that you guys need to know is the Eastern Kentucky culture is one of storytelling. Um, mm. It has a really, really rich oral tradition uh, when it comes to history. So it's almost like the telephone game where you have to kind of take what you hear with a grain of salt because mm. things get told, stories get told, they get passed down from generation to generation. But as in any good story, there's some embellishment along the way. So. I think most of what we're going to talk about is probably true, at least from my end. I don't know about your paranormal stuff, but from my That's end fair. of history, I think most of it's probably true. Some of it, though, just like I said, take it with a grain of salt. Um, my source material is a book, <laughs> and I had to laugh when I found this. It's called They Say in Harlan County, an Oral History, which is a cool name. But mm-hmm. it's by a guy named Alessandro Portelli. So it's, Which is the least Eastern Kentucky exactly. name I could think of. <laughs> it is a guy. So Mr. Portelli is Italian. Mm-hmm. And he came over. He, uh, I think in the 80s, came over to study this area of Kentucky. He came from Rome, from a university. And he just fell in love with it. And I, I wonder how someone... Wait, did you say Rome? Yeah, he was at a university in Rome. How how does someone from Rome go all the way to Kentucky? Because, like, how far do we live from eastern Kentucky? And I've never even sort of heard of it. Yeah. And someone from a different continent yeah. is like, oh, this really rural area? So I wonder That's where if, I'm going to research. I bet there's probably, like, like a if he has ties or... behind it or something. Mm-hmm. Like, he fell in love with a girl from Harlan County who was there on a like a or an exchange program or something maybe i'd like to it's we'll we'll make up some extravagant backstory for him later yeah we're (laughs) continuing in the oral tradition yeah all right so um sometimes it's nearly impossible to separate tall tales from the truth so so reader beware listener beware buyer Mm. beware don't necessarily buy what we're selling All right, so typically, many places in Harlan County were settled after the Revolutionary War, but the problem is that in addition to soil that isn't great for growing crops because it's rocky and it's steep and there's a lot of woods, there's Mm. all kinds of serious animals like bears and mountain lions back in the day. There still are now, but there's not as many. I mean, I think they've all been hunted and chased away. Oh, okay, because I've never seen a mountain lion. Yeah, they've, they've all been chased out by by industry basically i think they're they're still there they're just not as Mm -hmm. prevalent as they were back in the 1700s um but because it's kind of it's always been kind of a hard knock life neighbors have always taken care of each other 
so uh, there were subsistence farmers. So basically, the land sucked for growing. So you grew what you could enough to feed your family. And mm-hmm. it might be like my family is going to grow beets and your family is going to grow potatoes and we'll trade. And the family down the street has cows. And so we'll give them some beets and potatoes for some meat. So mm. that's kind of how things were back in the beginning, early days, right after the war. At the beginning of the Civil War, 43% of families had no title to their land. So the majority of families oh. did. Mm-hmm. They did. But by 1892, that number had grown to 60%. So would that mean, so to take land and not have a title, would it just be people walked out to an area and just said, like, hey, this looks okay, and then just kind of settled and lived, and then it became their land? Or how would they get that without a yeah. title? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. well, yes. And I'm actually glad that you asked that because Thanks. that was a nice segue into what I wanted to tell you. Um. So, at first, yes, but because it wasn't great for farming, but the land had lots of natural resources, lots of timber, Mm -hmm. lots of minerals. Coal is going to be huge here in a little bit. Um, Lots of just different minerals in the soil. There's um, like fossil fuels and stuff. So eventually what happened is companies found out that there were these um, like mineral deposits basically and they would hire surveyors to Mm -hmm. go out and say and basically stake off like this is our land and because there were no the people the farmers that were living on that land just kind of were living there in good faith with no land titles or anything because it had Mm -hmm. just been in their family or whatever then that you know they didn't really have a leg to stand on when the big companies said, okay, oh. will you say that this land is yours. Show me some kind of paperwork that says that it's yours. So they just took it. They just took it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> putting it into perspective a little bit. It's kind of funny because I remember how angry I was growing up because I lived in the middle of nowhere. It's a cornfield, woods behind us. And they wanted to put like a stop sign warning pole in our yard. And we got so mad that they could do that. And that was just like a little stick in our yard, in like a two acre yard. So I couldn't imagine someone just coming up and being like, oh, this has, yeah, like been in your family forever. Well, sucks to be you. Bye. Yeah. And I mean, so, so that, that was about 43% of people. So 60, what, 64%, 50, 44%, something like that. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't math, whatever. (laughs) Families did have, there were some, some families that went through the proper channels. Like they said, okay, this is my land. And they went to Mm -hmm. a lawyer and had them draw up a deed and like all of that stuff and a land title. But then there were other families just didn't think about it. Like they're frontier people. They settled. They, this is, this is the area that they settled. They don't need paperwork. Yeah. They cleared it. They own it. (laughs) It's whatever. But, um, and then sometimes. The documentation was, quote, unquote, lost. Isn't that convenient? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and so then farmers were being displaced and they needed and they couldn't live off the land that they had farmed. So they had to turn to logging and mining. Like they basically had to go work for the companies that stole their land, which uh, that would be a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, so around the turn of the 20th century, logging was big, big business. Because if you go to that part of the country, 
um it's beautiful mm-hmm. it, it is it's so pretty there's there's not a lot of touristy stuff there i'll tell you that much but it is really really pretty um and uh so a lot of the people that ended up owning the land like the companies they didn't care about the land though they only cared about making a profit off of the timber mm-hmm. so as a result they they took everything all of the trees whether they be big trees little trees they didn't care they just took it off and so a lot of the silt in the soil kind of got washed away down the mountain into what they call the bottom land which is where like the the fertile area oh okay but the the soil there is not good it's like like mud clay so it's mm. not that's why it's not good for growing stuff it's real thick yeah clayish yucky soil and it basically ruined, so their, their logging practices basically ruined the land. Um, and so by 1980, only 2% of land in Harlan County could be used for farming. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we went from kind of a rural farm community in the woods to mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, maybe 100, 150 years later, only 2% of it could be used for farming. Wow. So sad. Yeah. Um, and once the timber had been cleared and companies had access, enter the coal barrens, which is where our story comes from. This is where, this is where we get into the good stuff. So now there are two types of deeds. Is this, this the good stuff? No, this, this stuff is, well, I mean, this is this still This is more, where it gets good. This the is deeds still, to houses. Yeah, right. This is still more thievery. There's two basic kinds of deeds. There's a traditional deed, basically, where you own the land, you own, like, everything. Mm -hmm. And then there's something called a broad form deed. And this is all fascinating for me because our family owns mineral rights, I think. Oh, really? Is that what we own? Mineral rights? Okay. Oh, we don't (laughs) want to talk about that. Anyway. um, We own... These have a lot of salt in their backyard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We own something. I don't know what it is, but we own something. Um, but broad form deeds are different because they distinguish the land rights from the mineral rights. So basically, the owners of the mineral rights, courts have ruled over like lots and lots and lots of years and lots and lots and lots of court cases mm-hmm. that the people who own the mineral rights can access those minerals by whatever means necessary. So if oh, your okay. home is sitting on a huge coal deposit, too bad. So barrel under your house and take all the coal. And if it makes your floorboards collapse, too bad. Wait, so who they're taking stuff from uh, under other people's houses? Or is it like I, I own the land, I can kind of destroy it how I want? No, they don't own the land. Their surface, like there's the people that own the surface land who own the house. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people that own the mineral rights in the broad form deed who they own what's under oh. the land. And the courts have ruled that the stuff that's under the land takes precedence to the surface land. Oh, so Beverly Hillbillies isn't accurate. Well, because they had they own the land and then. Yeah, but that's one form. That's another form. Like that's also it, it's accurate because that oh. was they had a traditional deed. So they own the land, the surface land, and the rights under it. Oh, okay. So I two see. Different, two I different things in a broad form deed. Um, so, uh, and here's the other kicker. 
a lot of the sellers, the like the people that would sell their mineral rights to these big companies, mm-hmm. some of them couldn't read. So you just had to kind of take it at face value that whoever was buying your land from you or buying your mineral rights was being on the on the level and they weren't necessarily always. Oh wow. So um so yeah, the the 17 and 1800s were kind of a sad time in eastern Kentucky with a lot of big companies coming mm-hmm. in and kind of destroying the sort of traditional Appalachian way of life. So the like with the industrial revolution kind of came a lot of things that destroyed the area pretty much or I don't know that I would say they it depends on your definition of destroyed and depends on who you talk to. Mhm. Be- I would I would to be on the safe side, I would say the industrial revolution drastically changed the area. Okay. Because it did it, it destroyed the land, mm-hmm. but it also gave some people jobs doing mm-hmm. coal mining, I guess. I don't know. Steve's probably going to put in his two cents and then some here in a little bit. He looks like he has a lot to say. He's like chomping at the bit, and I guarantee <laughs> you he's going to come on here and say, Kim, you're lying about everything. You're so wrong about everything. Wrong. Let me tell you the truth. But I have point one of 3,822 I need to go through. Exactly. Everything and you messed up. So at some point, I'm probably just going to unplug his mic, but whatever. <laughs> so by 19... <laughs> Aw, next time you want to wave all your fingers at me, honey? <laughs> all right so by 1929 in just harlan county there were 30 mines 10,000 miners that's not a population that's just people working in the mines mm. and in 1929 they uh were bringing out 15 million tons of coal so coal's a uh, what's that end up per miner i wonder deal. i i can't Probably, math yeah, but that's yeah uh and but here's the thing. So you, their child labor laws were in effect at the time. Mm-hmm. So like kids weren't supposed to be going into the mines, but a lot of boys in the area entered the mine, started mining when they were 14. And oh wow, it, it wasn't legal, but they mined or loaded the, the um, coal trucks under their older brother or their father's name. Mm-hmm. So that basically then that guy would get, credit for the work that their younger brother or their son did okay so they were kind of and there were some kids that were like legit hired by the mines Mm -hmm. but they and their job like they were legally working but then they illegally worked Mm -hmm. as well um mining conditions were super unsafe um it was it's cold like picture a big pitch black dark cave and that's what that's what mining is like i never thought about it being cold because what is there's caves somewhere i think i think it is in kentucky but you can just walk down yeah and and you go like 10 feet under and it's freezing it is but they're generally caves are so it's cold enough in a cave to have ice form right because you got stalactites and stalagmites Mm -hmm. but it's also warm enough that you're not going to freeze to death i think yeah those are yeah they're crystals they're not ice i was thinking that but 
I'm getting shot down all over the place. <laughs> Fine, guys. I was thinking it, and I, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to let it slide. But Thanks, Brandon. No, because anyway. we're not allowed to touch them anymore because like, they form over a ton of years. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Anyway, it can be cold. It is cold in the mines. That's all. It's cold, and it's wet, <laughs> and it's super black. Like you, if you don't have a light, you can't see black, like black, black, black. And um, it's dangerous because there's explosives. And th- so this is uh, from, they say, in Harlan County. Um, this is a lady by the name of Julia Cowens. Uh, her, her account of living in a mining family. She said, I was born and raised in Cardinal, Kentucky, down south, up in the mountains there, Bell County. See what I mean? Like, they don't live in cities. They live in counties. Mm-hmm. The only life that I knew was coal mining. My father, grandfather, great-grandfather, they were all coal miners. And when I was growing up, the coal mining was just very bad. You didn't really live. You just existed. And I can remember many times when we were growing, we didn't really see my mother's brother, my father. It'd be dark when they'd go to the mines. We'd be in bed by the time they'd come in and rest, and they'd be gone again, you know. And I can remember waking up sometimes during the night, go in the kitchen, and I'd see my uncle laying asleep on the floor. They wouldn't even pull off their bank clothes, their mining things. He'd be lying there down in front of the fireplace behind the cook stove, be laying there sleeping, and just get up, get some food, and go back. So long, long wow. hours away from your family. Um, you, yeah, it was, it was not safe working conditions, especially back in the 20s and 30s. Um, it, it could be really brutal. It was hard work. You, if you're lucky, you're on your knees in the mine mm-hmm. for 10, 12 hours at a time. Sometimes just as often as what you, you know, I say if you're lucky, you're on your knees. More often than not, you're on your back. Um, like you're just, it's really, uh, I've heard stories about guys that have scars all over their backs from just getting like scraped by the oh. cold and their mining and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1917, the United Mine Workers of America came to Harlan, and that was kind of the beginning of Bloody Harlan. So they were, the United Mine Workers um, was a union, and they wanted to make working conditions safer. So the first strike was that year in 1917. The strike leader was shot in the back of the head. Oh. Yeah. But the miners got a wage increase, shorter hours, and a grievance committee. And the first few strikes had no picket lines, but they did have what they called gun thugs, which were basically hired hands whose job was to cause trouble and scare people into going back to work or staying out of the union. So these gun thugs would... Um, if they saw you talking to a union person, they would come and like harass your family. They would throw rocks through your window. Mm -hmm. They would like fire into your house, things like that. Um, and really just, it was, yeah, it was bad. Uh, and when the depression hit, so this was 1917, like kind of on into the twenties. And then when the depression hit, the demand for coal kind of decreased a little bit, um, Stores were looted. People were literally starving to death because this is already a poor part of the country. Like they are, I mean, we are talking, there's no electricity, um, plumbing, no indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're basically living in like shacks, the, the miners were. Um, and something called flux, they, they call, that's what the people, I, I think it's still called flux in some places, but it's basically dysentery. 
um, which is when blood mixes with your waist and causes diarrhea and dehydration. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it can be very deadly. And um, so lots of dysentery in the depression. It was just not a a fun time. Mm -hmm. And then February 16th, 1931, there was a 10% pay cut. So they're already not making any money. And then they cut the miners pay by 10%. um, And the really bad times began. So from 1931 to 1941, there was a man named John Henry Blair, J.H. Blair. He deputized 169 men. Now, Sheriff Blair uh, didn't pick the cream of the crop to deputize. And Mm -hmm. these deputies basically were the police force in the coal mining towns. So they were they like in, actually enforcing laws or were they keeping the people in check? Yes. Okay. <laughs> a little of both. Yep. But here, we'll put it this way. Out of the 169 men that he deputized, 64 of them were felons. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, These that answers my very, question. Very, very hardcore men. Mm hmm. Um, on May 5th, 1931, one of the deputies, his name was Jim Daniels, was shot, and Harlan County just exploded with violence. Uh, people, I mean, it was really, really not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it had always been kind of a wild town, like always throughout history. There was prostitution, there were brothels, there was lots of drinking, and um, so it had always been almost like a Wild West feel to it, mm-hmm. but now it was super dangerous. Um, Miners were, there was another um, union that really did have sort of socialist ties, um, and they would come in as well as the United Mine Workers, um, and this other union, basically, like, the miners that I read said that we didn't care, we didn't know what socialism was, we didn't Mm -hmm. know, we just wanted somebody to take care of us, like, we just wanted somebody to fight for us, we wanted somebody to give us better conditions. We didn't know. We didn't care. We just wanted something better. Um, And so a lot of them signed up with this other sort of communist socialist union. And so a lot of miners were accused of communism, thrown in jail, beaten Um, because of that. Soup kitchens and churches were blown up because of where because of the union influence, like unions Mm -hmm. would meet in churches. And so they were blown up. Uh, Homes were raided. People were thrown in jail and or beaten beyond recognition. It was a, it, those 10 years were a bad, bad, bad time. Um, for years, Harlan County had the highest murder rate in the country. Oh, really? Yeah. Higher than Chicago. Wow. Higher than New York. Harlan County. Highest murder rate in the country. Oh, shoot. Yeah. And, and I never heard of it. I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they call it Bloody Harlan for a reason. So then World War II broke out. Um, and a lot of the men left the mines and went into the army. And for the first time, they saw a way of life other than mining. Mm-hmm. They got to see the world um, and kind of got out of Harlan and were like, why would we go back? And so they, they didn't. Uh, and that didn't really help the area, even though it might have helped those families that got out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 1963, JFK began a commission to investigate poverty in Appalachia. And in 1964, Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty. And guess where he declared his war on poverty? Dayton, Ohio. No, that's a great guess, though. He actually, Lyndon Johnson, declared war on poverty from Steve's grandmother's front porch. 
Oh, really? Yeah. We have pictures to prove it. Like, there's a picture of Lyndon Johnson on my grandmother-in-law's front porch with my grandmother-in-law in the picture. Mm. and like. So, did he just, like, land in a field, or is the backyard, like, facing somewhere that would have been appropriate for him to give that? Or? I don't know. We can ask Steve when he comes on in a minute. Hmm, I'm intrigued. So, uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So enter the Appalachian Volunteers then in like the 70s, 60s, 70s, who uh, their goal, they said, was to help poor kids go to college. Um, but just like the people that came before, um, so there's always been people trying to save Eastern Kentucky from mm-hmm. themselves, but they go in not really understanding. There's a lot of corrupt politics um, in Eastern Kentucky, and there's a lot of like, admitted vote vote buying and just uh, things are not run the way they are run in other parts of the country and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people go in not understanding that um and and they just they're not local people and so they don't have that local mindset of like family family has been here forever and this is our land that we settled that we Mm -hmm. like have always been here um and and so um you know some of the kids went away to school I actually heard a quote that said, um, somebody said, you know, we're exporting our most valuable natural resource, and that's our children, Mm -hmm. that we're sending them away to college, but there's not really anything for them to come back to in Harlan County. We don't have any, like, we don't have any, anything worth other than tradition coming back to. That's, that's sad. That's what I've heard. Now, Mm -hmm. um, are you willing to give up your mic for a few minutes? Oh, Yeah. Yep. So I can pass the reins on to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. I know, right? The two people at the mics uh, don't know what's going I on. Know. I'm ready to take a beating here. He's going to come on. First of all, you're wrong about this and this and this and this and this and this and this. It's got an L on the side that has the left side and an R on the side that's got the right side. Hi, honey. Let me sit down. Hi. Hi, love of my life. All right. And? Proceed. Fire away. Okay, tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, what? what? But, but bear in mind, we're trying to keep this to like an hour, hour and a half. Okay. So. Well, like, basically, <laughs> the Industrial Revolution, like, just kind of bypassed Eastern Kentucky. It wasn't known. I mean, it just... Not that much happened. The people were just okay, but was but wasn't? I mean, isn't it fair to say that coal mining increased because the coal was needed up north for the industrial revolution, like for the factories and stuff, right? Yeah, but are we talking like eighteen seventies industrial no, re- like, revolution? No, like yeah, yeah, well, like eighteen seventies to early no, they, that, there wasn't that much mining like that going on right there i think probably most of the coal from that point was probably coming from pennsylvania and other places like that oh the great lakes region yeah, yeah. all right okay so i was wrong about the okay yeah so, so that's i a mean minor wrong yeah i mean the grand scheme of they, they, they were poor but they didn't know they were poor because they had food they had you know their house they had their shelter and it's just it was just their way of life they you know they they raised their crops. They did that, and so they didn't know they were poor. And the whole thing is, coal booms, and coal goes away. And so I, you know, in my life, I've seen, you know, 
really, really good times where the miners are all working. You know, people are buying boats. They're buying, you know, everything they can think of. And then the boom goes away and then it goes. Okay. So for a little bit of, of context here, um, Steve is 59. So he was born in 1960. There was a mine boom, right? In the 70s. In the 70s. Okay. Were, is that when, because I know you worked in the mines for a little while, but you would have been not, that. that's not when you worked in the mines, right? You were there in the 80s? Because in, in the se- 70s. 78. I, I started working when I turned 18 okay. at 78. So you were like the tail end of that boom. No, I was like in the middle of it. I was oh, okay. in, I was so in a good like part of it, yeah. Mid 70s. Yeah, put it this way. Okay, so I, I, I grew up in Columbus. The family was from Martin County. And at that time, I could have, during the summers, I could have worked for minimum wage, like two thirty four an hour. But by working at the mines, I made like eight eight fifty four an hour. And we worked six days a week. So Saturday was time and a half. So I made plenty of money. So, and you, so working conditions for you were not like this. Like you were not. No, I worked I worked on a surface mine. Okay. So you you were not it wasn't dangerous, yeah? Correct? Uh, no, it, it's it's dangerous, but it's a different kind of dangerous that So it's not, okay, so that's my other question is what it so I mean, we, that's why they're paying us 854 an hour. Yeah, that makes sense. But that so that's I guess my other question is most of this is from like the 30s obviously when they Yeah, they didn't have all the safety things. Exactly. There and the unions weren't that strong. They were trying to go in and protect the miners, but they didn't. The companies just pretty much had their way. So and what's it like now? I mean, obviously back in the 30s, we didn't have the technology to make it safe. It was it was sketchy at best. What is what is Eastern Kentucky like now in terms of political dynamic, and what is Eastern Kentucky like now in terms of mine safety? Mine safety has increased quite a bit. I mean, you have like with OSHA, you have the Mine Health Safety Act. There's a lot of things that, you know, as, as time has gone by, they've learned and they've implemented safety standards and they do their best. Because if, you know, now if a mine inspectors go in, the mine's not safe, they get fined. So it's it's not only in their best interest, you know, to keep their miners safe, to keep the production going, but they get fined heavily if they're not meeting the safety standards. Okay, what so. about, like, from the political standpoint? Like, we heard about uh, Sheriff Blair, who basically was taking, sounds like he was taking kickbacks from the mining companies and doing what they wanted to do. I mean, is it still kind of, that's probably not a fair question because you still have family there, huh? And And I wouldn't know. Okay. Oh, I like that safe, safe answer. Jackie. Steve, everyone. Yay. Woo. All right. So, uh, so things have gotten better. Um, it's still kind of a, I don't want to say desolate area, but it, some very of, rural. It, it is very rural. rural. There are a lot of, um, I mean, like I said, there, you're up. You live up Turkey Creek, you're up left beaver or right beaver or whatever. Like you're it is <laughs> the um the the Martin County post office is a is a trailer. Oh really? Yeah. It is, I saw it. Oh maybe that's the one that was shut down. 
at Willow. <laughs> it's 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 uh they're small little communities. Very close knit. Okay. You got cool. anything spooky for us? This has all been very factual. Um so I kind of have two stories. One is a little more it, it's kind of more history based and then one is a little more lore. Um which which do you want to hear first? There's like a short lore and then like a longer history one. You pick. It's your mm. segment. Hmm. Oh shoot. I'm super indecisive. Um, okay, well I'll go with the story. It kind of piggybacks off of yours. It's All very right. like mining dependent. So this is a one there's not as many ghosts. It's more of just kind of into the town itself. And so what I'm covering is called Portal Thirty One. And <laughs> the reason why I picked it is just because that sounded cool. Like, I, I had no idea. And I said, that, I'm going to talk about that no matter what. like a way to hell. Yeah, that's 100% what I thought. And I was very wrong. But Aww. it was still really interesting. Wah, wah. Disappointment abounds. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Um, So, Portal 31 is an old mine in Lynch, Kentucky. And then Lynch, Kentucky is a town in the county, Harlan. Are you sure it's not Lynch Holler? Don't don't <laughs> throw other things at me. I'm going to get confused. No, it's a town. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, and so Portal 31 opened between 1917 and 1920, which was near the First World War. Yes. In the World- late teens, right? Yeah, World War One, I, I believe, it was, was like 1919. Like Two. Oh, not 1819. I thought you I thought you were oh, like oh, 1918, no. 19, 19. I you thought know. you were saying I'm not that bad. <laughs> like 1819. <laughs> yes. I believe the dates for World War 1 were something like uh 1916 to 1919 or something like that. Okay. 1818. Uh, okay. November 11th, 1918 is when it ended. Ah. so thanks steve um pretty much it opened during the first world war so it was really successful because as anyone that's in any history class ever knows with war comes a booming economy (laughs) oh yeah i forgot about that war apparently is good and also bad but um (laughs) so Portal 31 is actually, it's halfway up the um, highest peak in Kentucky called the Black Mountains. And does that kind of, that's a huge part of Harlan, right? Like that takes up a lot of the area, that mountain range, or? Because um, I imagine coal is in the mountains. And then if yeah. it's the highest peak. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. So. You're asking me like I know these things. He's from Martin County, not Harlan County. You're the historian here. Okay, so. I was not. You read. Prepared. You read a whole book. I did. I read almost 435 pages. Yes. In three days. Anyway. So proceed. Um, the town at the time was the world's largest coal camp, and it produced coal for U.S. Coal and Coke Company in the in the midst of the First World War. Coal camp sucked, by the way. Yeah. Um. So pretty much, a coal camp was. There was a mine, and then a town was built just around this mine. So anyone that lived in that town were miners or the families of the miners. So, yeah, this was the world's largest coal camp, and it sat on 19,000 acres. That's big. Yeah. And it housed 
10,000 people. It might have been my paper making that noise. Anyways, here's your iPad down there. There's a lot of stuff going off right There's now, guys. There's a lot of things. Um, but yeah, so it housed 10,000 people and 4,000 of them were minors. And you had said something like there was 10,000 minors in Harlan, Kentucky. Yeah, right? in, in the whole county, there were 10,000 minors in Harlan County. Okay, so 4,000 of the 10,000 were here at this coal camp. In Lynch. Yeah. Right? The name, mm-hmm. Which is kind of a scary name. I was thinking about that, and I like, forgot who, about that until right now. Who named? I mean, I, I would imagine maybe mm. it was named after, after someone. I hope it was named after someone. Because otherwise, that's a really scary name. I mean, coal, coal towns, is that what they're called? Coal, coal camps. Coal camps. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. They were like, I mean, they were, like I said, the sheriff hired felons to be the cops in the coal camp. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were pretty rough places. Yeah. And, too, if you put someone who is known for not um, abiding by the law, if you give them power and put them in charge of the law, I can't imagine what would come of that. Like There was, oh, what was that movie? There was a, a documentary done. Uh, it's on Netflix. I forget what it's called, though. There was a documentary about this back in I think it was actually like the 70s or 80s Mm -hmm. basically they took students and they put them like in a prison situation and they gave some of the students absolute power over the other students and they totally (gasps) abused it I I forget what it's called that sounds familiar google if you're listening uh which you know it is so yeah so no, I mean, I mean, <laughs> listeners, if you're listening, Google this movie. Not, not Google. I know you're listening, and then just write us in. Yeah, yeah. Tell us what the name of the movie is. <laughs> um, so yeah, the entire town was built around this one coal mine. Um, I guess I already said that. So you kind of touched on this with the younger people working in the coal mines. Um, and I read eight to ten year olds can work in there. But what would happen is if someone in their family died, then it was similar to how you were saying they would take the name and work under the name of that person. Yeah. So that was kind of how they had gotten the end, especially in Lynch. That was really common. I can't imagine. It's like Kellen going into a coal mine. (laughs) Could you? Okay. Could you imagine not saying this is Kellen, but a very angsty... (laughs) uh individual okay. and then being like okay this person in your family died and i know you hate everything but go and work in there i mean i feel like people were tougher back then too like first yeah. of all kellen would never in a million years ever go work in a coal mine <laughs> she'd be like, I'd rather places. die <laughs> yeah but i but also people were tougher back then like you did what mm-hmm. you had to do but even still eight years old yeah come on yeah Oh, I didn't know how to do anything when I was eight. I didn't even know how to make brownies. I couldn't tie my shoe. Yeah. Um. So Lynch itself, it was it was itself like a self sustaining town almost. Like it had its own um, post office, its own church, theater, school, um, pretty much anything that a town would need. A grocery store. Uh, they had it. Like it was its own town, hmm. and. One thing that was interesting was there was also health care in the town, which is is progressive, I would assume, for that time. But also, 
they're coal miners, so that's yeah, you're gonna need it. <laughs> yeah, there's this thing called black lung, which is basically like you inhale so much coal dust that your lungs are like they call it black lung for a reason. Your lungs, but like calcify, and turn into coal. Can I say that really big word that I know? Yes. What is, <laughs> yes, Jackie. What is the actual medical terminology for black lung. So, okay, I looked it up and it's well, it's that one, but the the word that I knew cuz I I said something about this last time and it's inhaling volcanic matter or other fine dust and it is pneumonia ultra microscopic silvicaniconiosis. And it is the longest medical term in the English language. And I memorized it when I was in fifth grade because I had a notebook designated to random facts. And it was wedged in between um, one fact and then the goldfish's attention span is three seconds. Like I had lists of these when I was a kid and I would highlight the interesting ones. And that's why we're friends. Cross out the ones that were doubled because I would just go like, oh, list of 100 interesting facts and then print off like 15 of them. I kind of feel like you should get a job working for jeopardy oh that'd be fun i'd be down with that you would be so good at that job what is pneumonia ultramicroscopic silvicaniconiosis which i'm probably mispronouncing because i read that when i was in fifth grade and that was me trying to pronounce it good for you using that hooked on phonics yeah um but yeah i just wanted to pretend to be smart for a second you are smart (laughs) don't let anybody tell you otherwise um, so the town also, it had its own sewage system and paved streets, which for the time, that was a pretty good that deal. That is good. Yeah. There were not a lot. There's still not paved streets everywhere in Eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Hopefully sewage systems. Mm, you'd be surprised. Sometimes. There are sewage systems, <laughs> but. <laughs> Do they have sewage systems where you're from, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Welcome to the part of the show where Kim apologizes for being an a-hole. Yep. Uh, it's the first time we're an hour in, so. Woo! It's a new <laughs> record. All right. Sorry. Continue. It's cool. Um, so the town, too, was a very diverse area, uh, and it had different housing areas for different ethnicities, and there was about 40 different ethnicities in the camp. That is insane. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't a segregation thing. It was more of um like if you speak the same language, you're with more people like you. It wasn't yeah. keep these people over here, keep these people over here. Yeah, and I think split it's just natural natural tendency to gravitate toward people like you. Yeah, for sure. Um forty people I can't even probably name forty nationalities. Eastern Kentucky? That's not a nationality. <laughs> Ohio? Sort Miami of a nationality, Florida, like te- like Texas and Ohio are very Texas similar. is its own nationality, much in the same way that Ohio is its own nationality. I I feel like as an Ohioan, you're saying that very biasly. Uh, if you're saying that we're better than Texas, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna make all fifty states hate me one yep. show at a time. You have two of the fifty down. Um, and the night's still young, so we'll see where this goes. Kentucky might not like me by the end of the day either. Yep, which will be awkward for you, considering you're married to someone yeah. from that location. The black sheep of the family. <laughs> um, yeah, so mines during this area um, were in no way safe or great to work in. 
But on the surface, living in Lynch was by no means a bad place to live. Because considering, considering where you're at, if you are in an area where it's heavily revolved around mining and it's not the most wealthy area, Lynch is probably a better option. But still not great. Well, it was probably like Steve said, they didn't know that they were poor. Yeah. Because when everybody's poor, you don't know that you're poor. You're yeah, so I guess together. for them, like, it was a it was a good a good deal. They had health care. Yeah. They could poop and it would be <laughs> taken away from them. It wouldn't just be sitting there. So that was cool. Yay. Uh, <laughs> um Yeah, so you had said something about police force um and unions, and this town had its own police force. But it was controlled pretty, or it was used pretty much to control unions. So they used more fear to prevent them from unionizing, thus causing the people who own the town essentially more money. They're trying to do everything for as cheaply as they can. That's business. Yeah. And, um,. So, yeah, the town was considered a closed community despite having all these different areas. Um, and that allowed the mines, the owners of the mines, to control all political and economic aspects of the town, using the police force to get their way however they want. Um, and I thought this was interesting, too. So going back to the diversity in the town, I initially thought it was a very good thing, like... They're very welcoming to immigrants who are coming in and trying to earn a living. But I believe the reason why it was done was very similar to the whole like Tower of Babel situation where oh, different languages, yeah. if there's 40 different languages, you can't all band together. Like you might be able to get like two or three together, right. but you can't form a union if you don't know what the person sitting next to you is saying. Right. So... I think it was used as a form of keeping people divided and not and I, w- going I wonder I mean now it's not uncommon for people all over the world to speak English as their mm-hmm. second language. We actually in America tend to be somewhat of a minority in that most of us speak only one la- or I don't know I don't know if most of us but a lot of people in America speak only one language mm-hmm. and I think worldwide that's a little bit of an anomaly that a lot of people speak their native language and English but I am willing to bet that because of education not necessarily having the value back then that it does now that probably they didn't speak a lot of a common tongue so you're probably mm-hmm. right well, and too, if this is um, an era where travel, like traveling long distances is becoming more common, yeah. like prior to that, if you were born in an area, in a country, you stayed there because oh, yeah. travel was so much more difficult, like trains yeah. are what, like 60 years old at this point or like relatively new. So yeah. I wonder if they'll... Unless you were well-educated or had money, you only knew and one language. And then you owned the mines. Yeah. And then you them. could speak all the languages, but you didn't want other people to. That makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just throwing wild accusations now at this point. No, you're fine. Um, that's my job. <laughs> that's what we do here. We give you 30% fact, 70% like our said, opinions. take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> when she said right that, she was top. talking about <laughs> us, not her source. <laughs> this is the oral tradition we're talking about there is we what go. we're saying. Um, let's see. 
Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so you had talked about this as well. So the 1920s to 1930s was when um, unionization kind of started becoming a thing, and they started, I guess, asking to be paid. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Yeah. Um, from the, I guess, the mine owners. And then that was when you said there was like battles or something that started yeah, happening. Yeah, they, they, they would they, shoot. From like the 19, what, 1931 to 1941, they thought of it almost as like a war period. Like there were so many fights between unions and like the, the miners that were trying to unionize, the union leaders, the cops, the like just the mine owners. Mm-hmm. It, it was just really bloody and nasty and. Yeah. And it was definitely an area with a lot of tension for a while. And because of that, as you had said, too, it got the name Bloody Harlan just because there was so much stuff going on during that time. Yeah. Um, so in Lynch itself, moving a little further down the timeline, in the 1950s, the town... Because at this point, the coal production had slowed way down, and they started selling houses to the public. And by 1963, all coal production had ceased, and today, the town has a population of 720. So Down from, what, 10,000, 4,000? 10,000. So 10,000 people, yeah. Holy cow. What was that, today? So in 100 years... The population has dropped by like 94%. Wow. 93%. So. That's a lot. Yeah. And that, that goes what you're saying too with people are leaving these areas and not coming back. So. um, hmm. Oh, and then I have to get this in before I go off on another tangent. But in the mine, it said that there was 250 reported deaths. and. Whoa. Um, well, in the town of Lynch, and then 150 of them took place in the mine itself. I looked everywhere, and I couldn't find a single thing that explained what happened. So, whoa, that part's kind of a mystery. But there was for sure a lot of people dying, despite the healthcare and sewage systems. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so stepping, I guess back again really quick with the town dwindling um they recently let's see oh in 2007 they opened a museum trying to bring in some tourism and it's actually in portal 31 so it's a so it's like in the mine itself it's in the mine that's cool yeah no this sounds awesome and so again not a whole lot haunted stuff but for sure some place that you could visit um, uh, you can ride one of the carts. You ride on the tracks through the mines, and Ooh. you can walk in. And when you walk into Portal Thirty One, there's all these signs talking about um life in uh the mine, life in the town, all all these different things. And then you get on the cart, and it was less than fifteen dollars. Like I think it was like ten bucks to do. Yeah. And <laughs> so you get on the mines. Or the minecarts, and there's animatronics, <gasps> so you can go like through. Like it's a small world after yeah. all. Yeah, and yes. so the first, I I watched a video of this guy that kind of went through the whole thing, but the first one is this guy who was an immigrant from Italy, and he has the fakest Italian accent <laughs> in the world. It is like me, 
Arrivederci. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, like me when I'm like rigatoni. Rigatoni. Like, very, very um, mm. not Italian. Trying to sound Italian. But I it, speak Italian third best. Yeah. It, that's what he sounds like pretty that's a great much. Movie. But um, yeah. So you can make different stops. And I think in the first guy, like you hear an explosion, like they're um, blowing up sections of the mine, and he goes like, "Oh, these people aren't used to it yet." <laughs> and then you just this go sounds on. like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, and you can explore the town. Um, I know, like the post office and everything like that is still there, so you c- you can stop in all these places, and so even though the town is a lot smaller now i think they're trying to capitalize on having such a rich mining history and trying to turn it a little more into tourism good for them so yeah and go to lynch and support their efforts at restoration yeah for sure um and there there were a few ghosts that i found oh, okay. um but pretty much it was what's it called where it's like an imprint oh residual haunting residual hauntings Hmm. yeah so a lot of people will see lights floating up and down kind of like you're holding either a lantern and you're taking steps so it's not like a straight shot it's bouncing or um a headlamp Hmm. so they'll see lights like that um and then a lot of people who are in there will also hear men talking uh hammers hitting metal Ooh, that's a creepy sound yeah and then just uh generic machinery so there was a lot of the animatronics (laughs) (laughs) probably the italian guy just trying to (laughs) clink um but yeah so it's a lot of just residual stuff there's a lot of people in there a lot of people died um maybe not the best energy again like they're happy to have work but it's not, not the best work. scenario. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's more just re- residual. There's no like, one specific person. Hmm. But Interesting. Yeah. So that is Portal 31. All right. Yeah. Um, and then I have a much shorter story just because I knew you were probably going to do coal mining. I was going to do coal mining. So I mean, that's really what there is in Harlan County yeah. is coal mining. <laughs> that's all you can really talk about. Yeah, it's not um, much. Except uh, there is a road, so it's called Red Dog Road, and it's 35, mi- uh, 35 minutes southeast of Lynch, hmm. so that direction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're listening, just imagine me pointing southeast. Uh, pretty much on the road, I guess this is coal mining still, there's a legend that a jealous coal miner shot and killed another coal miner just outside of a mine in the 1930s. Was it over a dog that was red? It should have been. <gasps> Clifford? <gasps> Clifford the big red coal mining dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, big red dog with a little headlamp. <laughs> be so Aww. cute. I, I would shoot someone over that. I mean, no, I wouldn't. Uh, <clears throat> um, I'll help you hide the body. Okay, good. Good thing so, we don't have this recorded. That's what friends are for. Yeah. No one else is listening, so we're cool. Yeah. I, mm, I got into a discussion with Sarah earlier about our avian prostitute ring. It's, just don't worry about it. Okay. I'm not going to ask. So pretty much after he shot this guy that he was jealous of, um, the murderer 
found out that he had killed the wrong guy. <gasps> oh no! Yeah. So, which sucks what? for the guy that got mistook. But also for the guy that shot the guy because he then, shot a guy though. Okay, but he shot the wrong guy. So okay, imagine this. So so say like you and I are fighting, mm-hmm. and I mean to kill you because you did something wrong to me. Then okay, your family's gonna be like, all right, I'm sorry she's dead, but she did do like it mm-hmm. was a retaliation killing. Versus like you and I are fighting, and I accidentally kill Bryn. Yeah. Her family is not going to be like, oh, well, Bryn did something to Kim that, to deserve getting shot. Her I mean, I don't think either family would be happy in either situation. No, but. Like, but I, I do understand. Because you know like, if you're going to kill someone, it's probably like a I'm willing to get in trouble. Like there's a good enough reason where yeah. I know I'm going to go away. And right. then you f- kill the person. Their family's not going to retaliate because they know there's bad blood. Like, yeah. Mm. And also, guys. Don't kill anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Should have probably. PSA. Don't kill bad, anyone friends. ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not advocating murder. For the most part. Um, unless there's a big red dog involved. And even then, really think it over first. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so he um, shot the wrong guy. And then what happened? So pretty much. Um, so that's. Oh. It is believed that the man who was wrongly killed now haunts Red Dog Road looking for his killer. So the guy who... Justifiable. Yeah. The guy who was innocently killed just randomly is there trying to figure out, like, what the F happened. <laughs> yeah, blame him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was one thing that happened. And I also found... So a woman in 1969, so this was relatively recent... Uh, she was found stabbed to death and naked on the side of the road. Ooh. Yeah. And so this murder was really gruesome, but it's unsolved and no one knows no one knows who the victim was and no one knows who the killer was. So the this lady So it's just Jane Doe. They, oh. Yeah. Just casually wonder, stabbed to death. I got chills again. I wonder if you get chills a lot. I do. Because we're so creepy. Um, I wonder though, I wonder now with DNA and all that kind of stuff, if they were to like exhume her body, Mm -hmm. they might be able to find out. Maybe. Or if anybody even cares enough to do that. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, apparently not because that hasn't happened yet. Nobody cares. Just a dead chick on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, so that was just another death. Um, was this on Red Dog Road too? Yeah. Ooh. So it was just on the side of the road. Hmm. Um, I guess forty years later. Yeah. Um, so on this road, there are also lights that have been seen flickering, and that appear to be traveling from tree to tree. So, but not lightning bugs. No. Fireflies. So, whatever you call them in your neck of the woods. Which apparently isn't everywhere. I thought lightning bugs were all over the country. And I was with someone from Utah who saw fireflies for the first time last week. There is. So one of my families was telling me, one of my Nook families was telling me that um, there, I forget where it was. There is a, the lightning bugs migrate. And somewhere there's like this huge migration in like the end of summer or something. And you can see like massive amounts of lightning bugs all at once. Oh, that's so cool. I forget where it is. I'll have to ask her. But 
Yeah. Okay, that has nothing to do with Oh, no, anything. it's cool. But it's, it's, not, just... it's not lightning bugs or fireflies or whatever you call them. Yep. I, I just, I couldn't get over because we had gone hiking in Glen Helen. And I'd say, like, oh, lightning bug. And she's like, what? And turned real quick. She's like, I've only seen that in Princess and the Frog. What? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't that. that. Yeah, it was just, yeah, I guess like an orby light. And it tends to follow you when you're driving, too. No. Nope. So it's almost, I, if, if you're going to go the it's a ghost route, it might be the guy who's looking for his killer and sees a car and is like. Are you them? Yeah, I'm shifting my head stealthily from side to side. I guess you can't see that. Yeah, it like, doesn't translate ooh, well as a podcast. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, but yeah. we're safe because we're female. Yeah, we didn't kill anyone no. that you know of. Um, so, oh, if on the road and you continue down um, Red Dog Road, there's a fork. And if you stop and get outside, you can also hear someone or something walking through the woods ahead of you. Almost like a predator hunting their prey. Solid. Yeah. No. Which, if it's a bear and you're like, oh no, it's a ghost, that sucks. Get in your car. <laughs> Lock the doors, roll the windows up. Don't test that one. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Um, and also, people see a massive shadow figure standing in the middle of the road. No. Don't go down Red Dog Road. Go during the day with a priest after and you have burned some sage. Yeah. Have a little piece of sage on fire in your car. The priest can hold it. Um, or maybe you could get like a sage scented car air freshener. Get like 15 crucifixes and just tape as many as you can to your body. And if they start spinning, turn around and go back from whence you came. If they go upside down, you go upside down to so their right side up. <laughs> Is that how that works? Well, if it's an inverted cross, like if, if you have the cross right side up and then right, it yeah. goes upside down, then you go upside down and then they're right side up again. And they can't touch you. Well, I'm... Jackie, whatever. Continue with your story. This oh. Spooky, scariness. Oh, well, um, <clears throat> that was pretty much it. Oh. <laughs> so those are all the things that you can see on this road. But yeah, again... So have 15. Have you seen the clown cars when there's like 20 people? Yeah. Jammed in. So do that, but with priests. Great idea. Yeah. And then you should nuns. be. Not nuns. No, because they're the first ones to get possessed. Yeah. I've seen enough movies. Right. Just priests, not nuns. Yeah. And if, <laughs> if the priests start spinning, get yourself <laughs> some cardboard because they're about to do some break dancing and I'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I can't. So, hey, Thor. So, so moral of the story is, uh, go to Lynch, go to the Cole Museum at Portal 31, and then head southeast to Red Dog Road about twilight, and then send us an email at mile31show at gmail.com and tell us about your spooky experiences. Yes, I'd be really interested in hearing what would happen. If you have other spooky experiences... That have happened to you in Savannah or in Eastern Kentucky. Again. Or anywhere else. Again, our show is mile31show at gmail.com. Yep. We're also on the Facebook. 
and the Instagram. Did you say mile 31? No, no, I said mile 13. Sorry, I zoned out because no, Theodore probably, stretched. Mm. And now he's smelling your... It's mile 13. 13, one, three. Yeah. Mile 13. Show at gmail.com. <laughs> also, we have some stuff in the works for ideas for future episodes. Yeah. But if there is something, some place that you would like us to cover, please tell us. Because we want to talk about places that you want to go. Oh, for sure. I don't want to cover 50 different places in Ohio. Which is probably what's going to happen. Yeah, which I mean, I'm cool with. Because Ohio is the best. But <laughs> if you're going to take a, a trip somewhere and you're like, hey, do my research for me and tell me where I should go. We would love to do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to do that for me and Steve, actually. Yeah, we are. But I'm not going to tell you where we're going. You'll have to wait. It's That's a while down the road. Somewhere in the country. It is. Because this is a haunted road trip podcast. Not a haunted seafaring po- podcast, so we don't go to Europe or Asia or Australia, although that would be fun. We could maybe sprinkle one in every once in a while. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Maybe yeah. a haunted Canada podcast. Ooh, continent. Continental. Well, that means no Hawaii. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. <laughs> there goes my microphone. That means it's quitting time. Yep, that's All a right. sign. Talk to you next time. Bye.